recording, recording, recording. Recording. Yeah. Um, well, you're the new host now, so go on. No. No, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Fine. like it. Um, Too much responsibility. <laughs> Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. Culture Bucket. Hi everyone, welcome back to uh, Culture Bucket. This is a interim episode, a, a, a drip from the bucket rather than a full splash today for you. Uh, we're going to discuss our plans for the future, big things coming soon, as um, people like to say to try and get um, interest... <laughs> Try and convince people to be interested in what they're doing. Well, we're not going to tell what. Big plans. <laughs> That's it. Just plans. Massive, huge, door-sized plans. Um, <laughs> and soon, like really soon, like when Limbiscuit say that they're going to release new music soon, that, that sort of soon. <laughs> Have they so, released any music? Yeah, they put out a really terrible song, like... Uh, a month, six weeks after wow. they said that. So that's sort of time frame. Okay. Soon. <laughs> yeah. Soon. Big things coming soon. What are those things? Those things are change, shake-ups, excitement. Um, I'm George. I forgot to introduce myself. That's how exciting it all is. <laughs> I'm your host, George. And uh, with me is, is co-host Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Are you excited about the Hi, change, Alex. George? Yes. Yes. Uh, so excited. Um, so, in a nutshell, uh, we're still going to be doing Culture Bucket. It's not going anywhere. No, Same never. old bucket, but maybe slightly different. Culture is going to be uh, being stored in it. Um, not different, different focus, but um, basically there's going to be less top fives coming your way, but still top fives. Don't Definitely. panic. There'll be there'll still be top fives, but we're going to be doing more uh, specials, hmm. which is exciting because we did we've done a lot of top fives now we've done a year of top fives, yeah. and we've done our favorite movies and our favorite albums and favorite TV shows and video games and etc etc etc, and uh, it's and we really enjoy doing that. More, it's really popping. Yeah, they're really fun. Yeah, it's been lots but it's of be- fun. Becoming more of a challenge to think of sort of fresh new. <laughs> Top fives to do. Yeah. Um, so. And also we really enjoy doing the specials. The specials are super fun to do. Yeah. And we've really been enjoying the specials and people have been, it seems like people have been listening to them. So we're going to sort of flip it slightly and the, the ratio of specials to top fives is going to gonna flip and effectively the top fives will become the specials and the, what is now a special will become a normal episode. Keep you can keep up with this. This is this is fine. <laughs> yeah, this is fine. Um, e.g., um, we're gonna take a break after this episode for a little bit, and we're gonna come back in the middle of November, and we're gonna do um, we're gonna come back with a top five and do some culture catch up, and that's gonna be on our top five Radiohead songs and some culture catch up, 
and then we're going to do um, some some slightly different specials to try out some different ways of chatting about culture. So we're going to come back with some specials on the White Lotus. I think we're going to do a two-part special covering the first season of the White Lotus. Very excitedly, they've just announced that Jennifer Coolidge is returning for the second season of that. <gasps> so be, really? Um, How exciting. Help you prep for season two of the White Lotus. Yep. Um, currently she's the only cast member from the first season confirmed to return and it is intended to be an anthology type thing with new characters each season so I'm imagining that maybe she's going to be the only sort of familiar face which is fine because she's a good one to have yeah um, and then we're going to do we're going to do a special about the new Idols album which is coming out soon and then we're going to do some sort of mini seasons of specials talking about our favourite movies in certain genres certain actors directors all sorts of things but the idea being that hopefully we can do slightly deeper dives on things that we've both experienced and can have those sort of uh, productive, interesting discussions around them. Sometimes agreeing, Definitely. sometimes disagreeing. Isn't that fun? So <laughs> Only sometimes. Do, yeah. Do, um, do continue to keep us in your podcast feeds. We're not going anywhere. It's hopefully going to be better. And uh, as always, any feedback would be appreciated in terms of how you find us and what we're doing um and that's it for big announcements unless alex has any no i don't have no? any big no She's... i don't have <laughs> no no i'm very excited you know it's Just been a year of top five so now we're gonna you know carry on and carry on doing what we enjoy doing talking about films and music and uh books Nice. We're not that cultured. <laughs> Films and music. <laughs> Films, music, primarily. Yeah. 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 So, uh, on that theme, um, because we're taking a little break, I just want to do a little, we're going to do a little quick culture catch up now to chat about some new things um, that I've seen. So, we'll do that. I've got a MyTube that I want to share with Alex to see <clears> what she makes of it. And then. Um, and then we'll, we'll we'll take a little break. So, basically, uh, it was a big cinema week this week in the UK because of Bond being released uh, at the end of September. Every other movie took a little break <laughs> so that um, to give Bond a chance to to do his thing, which I think he's done fairly successfully. So then, fifteenth October <clears throat> in the UK was a big film week with many well not many but like. Well, three films I wanted to see being released, and I've managed to watch all of them over the past two days, which is oh, what nice. an exciting weekend it's been. Nice. So, um, I'm not going to talk about them in the order that I saw them. I'm going to talk about them in the order in the order of um, I don't know importance or <laughs> not, no, not even importance, just in in a, in an order I've artificially chosen. Starting with, um, twenty twenty. Well, they're all twenty twenty one movies. Twenty twenty one's superhero movie. Directed by Andy Serkis, starring Tom Hardy, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Ah, fantastic. The new Venom movie. Did you see the first Venom movie, Alex? I, no. No, why would you? Why would um, <laughs> Do you know anything about Venom? Do you know much about Venom? I just know the song, Venom. Do, 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 do. Venom. Is, Is that, that this theme tune? No. No. Okay. Uh, so no, I don't know anything about this film. <laughs> uh, Venom is a Venom is a, a comic book character from Marvel. He's primarily sort of antagonist to Spider Man, but he's also often an anti hero in his own right. 
he's an alien symbiotic parasite um, thing that looks like a big kind of bundle of black goo. And basically, <laughs> in the comics and in this in the first Venom movie, he arrives on Earth and ends up um, bonding with reporter Eddie Brock, played in the films by Tom Hardy. And together, they um, are but turn into a sort of crime fighting team, but it's got a very, it's an, it's a, the first Venom movie is bizarre because it's basically due to Sony not having the, uh, Sony have got the rights to all the Spider-Man characters yeah. from the, from Marvel, but only the Spider-Man characters. And because they've allowed the MCU to start using Spider-Man, they want to have their own superhero franchise movies um, using the Spider-Man characters. And the most popular of those is definitely Venom. So it took a while, but they finally put a Venom movie together. Tom Hardy plays him like a sort of Looney Tunes character. <laughs> he brings his ability to do crazy voices to the table by voicing Venom as well as um, the live-action Eddie Brock that he performs. So there's all these scenes where he's sort of talking to himself and they kind of constantly have him looking like a sweaty mess in these movies. Um, there's a very memorable... The best scene in the first Venom movie is this bit where just after he's bonded with Venom, he doesn't quite know what's wrong with him, and he storms into this very expensive sea, sea hook, seafood restaurant uh, to talk to his girlfriend, played by Michelle Williams, or his ex-girlfriend. Michelle Williams? Up, um, Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams from... Wait a second. Blue Valentine... Yes. Married yeah, to Heath Ledger. Yeah. She's in this film? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't seem to be a film that... I don't know. She. I thought she was more of a different kind of actor, but yeah. Oh, well, there you go. She's normally a bit of an indie darling. But yeah, she's, yeah, um... yeah. She's, been, she's in lots of indie films, so, I, you know, having her in Venom. But yeah, sorry. I was just confused. She's... She can do Venom if she wants to, though. Oh, no, absolutely. It just, it just, it just, (laughs) she, well, you know, if you look at her filmography, you know, she was in Marilyn and Manchester by the Sea and Blue Valentine, The Greatest Showman, Brokeback Mountain, like, you know. Well, The the Greatest Showman is not an indie movie, is it? No, but like, it's it's kind of like she's, she's not, I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting that name to come out of Venom. That's all. No. Surprised. But um, I guess she wanted to have some fun and have a big payday, so... Yeah. Here she is. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. But yeah, she's 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 pretty good in both films. Um, she's not got a particularly exciting role, uh, just a sort of love interest. But she's, you know, she's she does it well. Um, I'd like to see her. She's really... She actually... She is good in them. It, mm. It's a pity she doesn't get more to do kind of thing. But... Um, but yeah, in this one sequence in the first movie, he's gone to this seafood restaurant to, to find her, to ask her for help, and he ends up sort of attacking a bunch of people in there in a sort of very slapstick way and then jumping into a um, one of those big tanks they have full of lobsters and eating one of the lobsters. Okay. Uh, which is, like, you know, played for laughs because it's an insane uh, idea that a man would do that in a restaurant. Anyway, um, the the... The point of that is that these movies are weird and they have a weird tone to them and they don't feel like the Marvel MCU movies. They feel much closer in spirit to um, 90s or early noughties superhero films like mm. Dead, like Ben Affleck's Daredevil movie, for example, okay. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. um, which is kind of almost after a decade of the MCU movies that sort of are very polished and very mm. sort of feel like they're produced by committees to have something a bit weird and strange and odd is 
a bit of a breath of fresh air, but it's not mm. very good. The first Venom movie is not great, but it's sort of fun because of Tom Hardy. <laughs> and the same kind of ends up being true for this one. The, the end of the first Venom movie introduced uh, Woody Harrelson playing Cletus Cassidy, oh, who okay. is um, Venom's kind of primary antagonist in the... Um, he turns into another symbiote called Carnage, who's like a red symbiote, whereas Venom's kind of black coloured. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the teaser for this movie. And this, then they announced the title of this movie was going to be Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So it's a big, it's basically they're doing Carnage. And he's a massive character. He's a really popular villain in the Marvel kind of world. So everyone was kind of quite excited about the idea. And then Woody Harrelson playing the character... Generally, he's a brilliant actor, so everyone was really excited about that as well. Mm. And then the film, as I watched it the other day, sort of, it does all the things that the first one did well again. Tom Hardy's very funny and entertaining and weird in it. Um, his Venom voice continues to be bonkers. Like, the, his performance as Venom is very, very strange and, and fun. And then Woody Harrelson gives a really game performance, and you want to like it. But they mm. do things like, and this might be in the comics a bit, but it's not something I know the character for. They give him a love interest played by uh, yeah. Naomi... Is it Naomi Harris who's in Moonlight? Okay, yeah. Um, she's in it uh, as a character called Shriek, who is a sort of um, love interest to Woody Harrelson's uh, Cletus Cassidy character, Carnage. Um, so the movie's kind of largely about him uh, escaping from prison, turning to Carnage and looking for um, Shriek, who he is in love with and was separated from as a child mm. uh, the, the movie opens with a flashback sequence where Naomi Harris's character and Woody Harrelson's character are both young teenagers in a sort of foster home and they get separated so think about Woody Harrelson mm -hmm. think about Naomi Watts mm -hmm. what year do you think that flashback sequence might be set in where they're both young teenagers but bearing in mind that Woody Harrelson is 60. 1985 and Naomi Watts is 45. So already there's a 15-year age difference between them. So already we're stretching reality by them both being the same age. But not 1985, Alex. The, Na 1990. The, 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 the 1996. Oh, wow. Or oh, no, Naomi this Harris is not Naomi Watts. I said Naomi Harris, didn't I? Not the second time. Oh, sorry. Naomi Harris. <laughs> um... What? So, 1996? Yeah. So Naomi <laughs> Harris and Woody I wasn't even a teenager were, in 1996. You know? We're both teenagers in 1996. Oh, wow. Yes. This is, this is that kind of movie. Okay. <laughs> um, but the, the effects, it's directed by Andy Serkis, who famously played Gollum in, um, in the Lord of the Rings movies and has a lot of experience with CGI and motion capture performances. And these characters of Venom and Carnage are fully motion captured or fully like CGI creations. Mm. So having someone like him in charge of it is, is a good move. He does it really well. Like the, the, the those action sequences are, are fun, but it just ends up like, it's only an hour and a half long. I think it's 40 minutes before Woody Harrelson really gets going in it. Mm. It has a lot of filler. It feels like it has a lot of filler for a movie that's only 90 minutes long. Um, and it ends up not really being any better than the first one. And considering that the first one, the villain was just not a non-entity effectively. In this one, they were playing with the, the you know, Venom's equivalent to the Joker, like the big villain for Venom. The fact mm. that they sort of fumble it and don't really stick landing is a bit disappointing but it is an entertaining movie 
Um, it has a post-credit sequence that is driving the internet in out of their minds um, for good reason. I won't spoil what it is here, but it is the post-credit sequence is ultimately the most interesting thing about the movie because it kind of has a lot of implications for, for for the Venom franchise moving forwards and stuff. So, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a disappointment, but um, never mind. It's also got because uh, Andy Serkis directed that. I think it's got a lot of uh, character like actors in it that you wouldn't expect to see in a Hollywood movie, including like an actress who plays a character in EastEnders uh, is in this movie. Uh, Stephen Graham is in this movie. And uh, Scroobius Pip appears in the background of one scene. And then uh, stunning me into, like, excitement is one scene features a priest played by Reese Shearsmith from the League of Gentlemen, which um, blew my mind. So <laughs> that was interesting to see Reese Shearsmith pop up in a Hollywood movie for a couple of minutes. But other than that, not too much to write home about with Venom, let there be carnage, but... Uh, Never mind. The other film, one of the other films I saw was uh, the new Ridley Scott movie, Big Director. Mm-hmm. Very exciting times. Uh, a reunion between Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as uh, writing partners. Um, um, I don't know if they've written a film together since Goodwill Hunting, potentially. Maybe they have done, I'm not sure. But um, not that I particularly know mm. of. So, yeah, Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck have returned uh, to script a movie together and Ridley Scott has directed it, and it's a film called The Last Duel. Oh, you heard of this? Not at all. So The Last Duel is a historical drama movie uh, set in 1300s France, mm-hmm. and it tells the true story of the last ever trial by combat that was fought uh, in the French courts uh, between... Um, Sir Jean de Carouge, played mm-hmm. by Matt Damon, in an alarming mullet wig and beard. Okay. And uh, Jacques Legree, played by Adam Driver. Um, and before we get into it fully, a bit of a sort of trigger warning for the this the the, the, the reason for the trial and the, what's sort of at stake is is um uh, quite serious sexual assault uh, discussion. So just be aware uh, that I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes. Um, because uh, Sir Jean de Carouge has accused Jacques Legree of um, raping his wife, uh, the Lady Marguerite, played by Jodie Comer, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best sort of newish actresses yeah. that's sort of come out in the past few years. She's she's amazing. She is. And, um, and uh, basically there's a point in the movie where it's said that um, rape is not considered uh, a crime against a woman in medieval France. It's considered a property crime against her husband. Yeah, which absolutely. is um, horrific. Obviously, horrific. Yeah. So the movie tells the story of this trial and the events leading up to it three times in a row. The first time you see the events through the perspective of Jacques. Mm. No, Jean de Carouge, played by Matt Damon, the, the husband of uh, Lady Marguerite. Matt Damon scripted that part of the film. He wrote the script for that bit of the film. Okay. Then, um, in the second third of the movie, you see the events that led up to it and after it from the perspective of Jacques Legree, played by Adam Driver, and Ben Affleck wrote that part of the script and was originally going to play Jacques Legree, but due to some scheduling conflict, he, he instead he plays um, Count Pierre, who is sort of a tertiary figure, in the movie mm. uh, and there's a smaller role. And uh, then in the final third, we see the events from the perspective of Lady Marguerite herself. 
And that sequence, those scenes, were scripted by um, Nicole Holofcener, who is a very experienced sort of screenwriter, and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck kind of brought her in, brought her onto the project so that mm. they could have that scene, that sequence in the movie kind of scripted from the perspective of a, of a woman, which I think is pretty important. Mm. And um, it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating because you see, it does mean that you see the the rape itself um, twice in the movie. And it is a really horrible scene. Um, it's important, sort of, I think that people know that before they watch the film. But it's very, it is It is fascinating to see these events, certain kind of how Matt Damon as the husband, how he views it and how he views himself. Mm. Then how Adam Driver's character, Jacques Legree, sees himself. And then finally, and the movie, and I don't want to spoil how this is because I think it does it in quite a good way, quite a subtle touch. The movie very firmly plants itself in believing the victim and that the the truth according to Lady Marguerite is as far as the movie is concerned, that is the truth of what happened and the perspective of the two men is just their own mm-hmm. sort of inflated sense of self kind of taking over the story a little bit. And then you see from uh Jodie Kerman's character's perspective the true events. And it's 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 quite long as a result. It's like two and a half hours long. Yeah. Um to tell this story fully three times. But I think it's really important it does that, um, and particularly that you get that the final half an hour or so where you kind of get the perspective of her is is so eye opening and 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 amazing, and it really sort of get gets really interested in the details of how French noble people ran their households and and all these different sort of things, and it's kind of it's it's brilliant basically. I really really liked this film. Um, it's not as filled with action as maybe you'd think from a Ridley Scott historical epic. It's not, you know, it's not Gladiator mm. or Kingdom of Heaven or anything like that. But um, it's uh, really well made, well produced, well written, well acted historical dra- drama with this quite fascinating twist of telling this story from different perspectives. And then feels very modern in its telling uh, as a result of the way it sort of shows you the events from Marguerite's perspective at the end. And it's great. It's a really good, it's a proper adult film. It's an 18, definitely. And it's sort of, you've got to be, you've got to have patience mm. and um, to, to sort of sit through it. But I think it's quite, it's worth it if you can do. But it's not a movie I'm going to watch a second time anytime soon because it is pretty bleak mm. uh, in parts. But, yeah, uh, Ridley Scott is very good at making you feel a little bit uneasy. Yeah, maybe portraying yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's definitely that is not as um, easy to watch. Yeah, mm. and he's definitely one of those you know living master filmmakers. Mm. If you look at the, he doesn't hit it out of the park every time. He's made his first share of absolute stinkers, <laughs> and the House of Gucci <laughs> might be another one coming soon. Yeah, but um. I think the last duel is is a hit and is oddly overshadowed. Oddly, like the promotional I, uh, thing I for the House of Gucci. I haven't heard of it. Like I, I yeah. This is the first time that I hear of this. Fine, I am very out of the loop, but I didn't even know this existed. Well, it start. I think they produced. They like its production was halted by COVID, so they started oh, okay. making it before COVID and then came back to finish it. But I think because of that, he's sort of moved on to the House of Gucci film now. So, and the pro- the promotional engine for the House of Gucci film is up and running already. So I think The Last Jewel's almost been slightly forgotten as a result, which is sort of unfortunate because it is, it is a really good movie. Um, but Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, I'd, for some reason, both decided to have completely wild haircuts in this film, which is interesting. Well, did it um, not have mullets in uh, medieval France? 
Um, they might have done. They might have done. But I mean, they have. They have. Everyone has a British accent in this movie. So, like, in terms of historical accuracy, it's not necessarily the best. Would you rather them have French accents? No, I would rather have them just having American accents. Yeah. Well, they've gone with English accents for some reason. But um, because in France they spoke like this, didn't they? For sure. Um, it's an old school historical epic. It's that's that's sort of how it is. But yeah, he's got a mullet. He can't apparently Matt Damon can't grow facial hair, which I had no idea about. He ha- he, he he like he can't grow facial hair at all. He has got is, a baby face. Yeah, he does have a baby face, but he has a beard in this movie that apparently gave him a rash and this this horrific mullet. And then like Ben Affleck's got this peroxide blonde Eminem looking haircut, which is equally kind of bonkers. Um <laughs> and then Adam Driver was just like, what if I had a sort of long, lanky, greasy hair? And they were like, yep, like in every film you ever do. Yep, absolutely, Adam Driver, we'll do that. Um, so, but he's great in it, actually. I, I think Adam Driver's an astonishing actor and uh, he's, yeah. he's brilliant in this. So that's The Last Jewel. The final one I want to talk about is the one I was most excited about, but it's actually probably not the best film I saw this weekend. That would, that would go to The Last Jewel, I think. But it is the new film in the Halloween franchise, uh, a direct sequel to 2018's Halloween. This is Halloween Kills, directed by David Gordon Green and written by David Gordon Green, Danny McBride and Scott Teams with a soundtrack score um, composed by John Carpenter, my mm. absolute favourite man in the world. So I was excited about this. Um, the 2018 Halloween movie is a direct sequel to the original 1978 Halloween and ignores all of the sequels from that film. Um, and this movie is a direct sequel to the 2018 Halloween. So we've now got a timeline that goes from 1978's Halloween to the 2018 Halloween to 2021's Halloween Kills and will be will culminate with next year's um, Halloween Ends. But today I want to talk about Halloween Kills. It <laughs> takes place It takes place the same day as Halloween from 2018. So Halloween from 2018 ends with, uh, spoilers if you've not seen it yet, but if you're interested, I'm sure you will have done the 2018 Halloween movie ends with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode, burning a house down with Michael Myers trapped inside and seemingly destined to die. Oh. Uh, very early on in very early on in this movie, we go back to Jamie Lee Curtis and her daughter and granddaughter are in a pickup truck driving away from the house to take her to a hospital as she's been stabbed in the first film. And while they're driving away from the house, they see a whole fleet of fire engines rushing to the house and Jamie Lee Curtis is screaming, no, let him burn. And... Um, all of those firemen uh, don't have a gr- their best day on the job to try to save Michael Myers. Uh, he doesn't really appreciate their uh, their help. Um, and then it and then it and then the film plays out that same night. So it literally is set within the same day as their last oh, film, wow. which is kind of interesting. Yeah. 2018's Halloween is about Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, mm. having spent forty years living with the trauma of what happens to her in the first movie. Mm. And the movie is, I, this this is this sounds really pretentious and ridiculous because ultimately it's a slasher movie. But the twenty eighteen Halloween movie is attempting to be an exploration of that character's trauma and grief. This movie, Halloween Kills, takes the focus away from Jamie Lee Curtis's character. She's in it, but she's not the main character by any stretch. And if that movie was about her grief and trauma, this movie is about the town of Haddonfield and their grief and trauma. So mm. it is much more about a mob of people who suddenly find out that Michael Myers has returned and mm. decide that it is now on them because the police have failed. It is their responsibility now to deal with this kind of killer in their mists. And as a result, the film sort of 
channels all of this energy through the character of Tommy Doyle. Interestingly, Tommy Doyle was in the original Halloween movie. He plays a, he's a, like a 10-year-old boy in the original Halloween film that is being babysat by Jamie Lee Curtis's character. And in this movie, all grown up, he's played by Anthony Michael Hall from The Breakfast Club, but a man, he's now in his 50s. Um, and he gives one of the wildest performances I've seen in a film in a long time. And your ability to enjoy Halloween Kills will come down entirely to whether or not you can kind of get on board with what he is doing, because he mm. is, for better and for worse, the main character of this film. Um, there's a scene that had me laughing quite loudly in the cinema where Laurie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character Laurie is in the hospital and Tommy Doyle rushes in and starts yelling at her about how Michael's still alive <laughs> and that she protected him in 1978 so now he's going to protect her and then he runs off and he's just got this absolutely manic, wild energy that is um, I really enjoyed but you could easily be like, this is silly, what, what is happening here? Um and yeah, it's a movie, like I've seen people describe it as like a fan film and at times it does feel like a fan film. It's very like they bring back a bunch of characters. They have a bunch of references to the original film. Um, there's a scene where Michael Myers smashes a car window with his hand and in the original movie, there's the same shot where he smashes this car window with his hand and because they didn't have a budget in the original film, they sellotaped or strapped a wrench to the actor's hand and if you look carefully in the original movie you can see this wrench attached to the front of his hand and that's what smashes the window and in this film when he smashes a car window they did it the same way just to be they could obviously afford to smash a window properly with modern movie magic mm. but they use the same technique as like a little hidden easter egg so it's very much like trying to please the fans and as a result i think some fans are like i don't want to be pleased i just want you to make a movie nah, okay. so some people aren't keen on it Mm. I sort of I'm a giddy little boy and I really <laughs> enjoyed all of that nonsense and um yeah it's not as good as the 2018 one which I think is a five star film I love the 2018 Halloween and I think the people who don't like it are forgetting that ultimately this is a slasher movie and you can't like it's better than you could expect a slasher movie to ever be really um the new one is not as good as that mm because it's too silly. There's a whole extended sequence with the mob chasing this man who looks like the penguin from Batman through a hospital, which just doesn't need to be in the movie at all. Um, but for some reason it is. And like that bit sort of tested my patience. But other than that, for the rest of it, it's pretty fun. Michael Myers has a cool burnt mask in it, which he's not had before. And he kills probably more people in this film than he's ever killed before. And uh, probably even like the first 15 minutes, he murders more people than he did in the, in the last film. So... I liked it. I love stupid Halloween films. And um, yeah, I enjoyed Halloween Kills. So there we go. So that's me. That's the three films I watched this week. Nice. Uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage, three and a half out of five. The Last Jewel, four and a half out of five. And Halloween Kills, four out of five. Good Boom. choices. I don't think I Cheers. would watch any of them. Mm, no, they might not be for you. I mean, they... The Last Jewel is a very good film, but it's no, quite... I, I'm I mean, sure The Last Jewel is going to be amazing, but I know yeah. that I would suffer from some kind of uh, anxiety watching it, so... Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a great movie. Right, I've just got... Before we go, I've just got a little MyTube on it to share yeah. with you if you've got time.
Um, this is an interesting video. I can't decide whether to tell you before you watch it what it is or whether to just let you mm. see. Oh. I think I'm just going to let you see it and, and see if you can work out what it is. Um, it's actually been re-uploaded because the person who uploaded it originally has taken it down because it has proven to be slightly controversial, but I still think okay. it's an interesting thing to see. Uh, okay. I'm going to send it to you on Facebook now and we can both watch it. <laughs> Our Facebook messenger history is just a series of YouTube links. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so Robin screen test footage featuring Jamie Costa re-upload original. Yeah. Who's Jamie Costa? Press play? Jamie Costa is, well, I'll explain that soon, but he's nobody you'll necessarily have heard of. Okay. Are you ready to press play? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, go. Mark calling Orson. Come here, Orson. Robin. i got to try another thing. Oh, well, it's supposed one. to be Robin well, Williams. You ask. If you ask Cinderella, she there you go. In the years of Mork and Mindy, like, when was yeah. that show? This guy's really good, though, as uh, Robin right. Williams. Right. Mm. John Belushi died last night. Oh, John Belushi's died. I think he gets those quieter moments. Like, so you know, as well as the manic stuff, he's he's kind of nailing his voice when he's a bit more quiet. Yeah, definitely. Withdrawn. But even his face. Who is this guy? So he's a guy who does like, apparently he's, he's been uploading Robin Williams impressions for years. And uh, he sort of filmed this test footage as like a, almost like to pitch himself as being the person who should star in a Robin Williams film if they made one. Okay. Um, and then apparently it leaked, so he uploaded it himself to kind of get ahead of the leak. And then it ended up being a bit controversial because idiots were sort of sending it repeatedly to Robin Williams' daughter. I, I don't know no. why you would think that she would want to see that. So he's taken it down now, but obviously it's kind of gone throughout the internet. But he just sort of set the set the internet on storm earlier this week because... I'll find you and kill you first. Well, I've seen people saying it's a bad impression, but I, I think they're just being... Obs- I think you can't deny that it's a good... Oh, it's of, great. Yeah, there's a bit there's yeah, a bit yeah. right at the end where it's just like another an, like another energy that he has as well that nails it exactly. Um, I And I, I somebody sent me this and I watched it when I first woke up at like 5am and it confused but I didn't know what I was seeing I thought it was him oh my god oh. I'm so sorry Howard I'm no I, I'm listening there you go Aww. it's pretty amazing though like you know he does it's kind of it does feel a little bit like him of course it's not Robin Williams but you know it's, the, it's pretty great so yeah. is it supposed to be controversial because he's trying to be Robin Williams? No, not because he's trying to be Robin Williams, but like people kept sending it to Zelda Williams, Robin Williams' daughter, who had to tweet and be like, I don't really want to see, like it's very well done, but I don't really want to see this footage over and over again of my dad on his the worst day of his life kind of thing. Um, but what, what's wrong with people? Like, I know. I, I don't. don't I like. I don't think Jamie Costa's done anything wrong by making it. I think that no, it's people not. sort of being like, "Oh, I know what Robin Williams's daughter will want to see all day is this footage." Um, so I think it, I saw a post from him saying that you know he kind of wished it hadn't gone out there like that. It was meant to be kind of an internal, private thing he was just doing as like a proof of concept. But I think it's pretty. I've watched it like five times probably because I just find it really fascinating. And I've also noticed. I think it's filmed in a similar way to some of the sort of slightly overly sentimental 
comedy dramas that Robin yeah. Williams ended up making a fair amount of, which yeah. is also interesting. Um, with the music, with, kind with of, the kind of like yeah, the music, music being, yeah. yeah, yeah. It feels like Jack or something. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know. I I I thought it was really good, and but yeah. I just don't understand what people how uh, do people not have not everybody, but some people don't have like I don't know the thought. Maybe this is not something that somebody might appreciate watching. I don't know. Like yeah, and also the thought, thought I would have as well as that is like somebody will already have sent this to Zelda Willie. Like I don't need to be the person that sends yeah. this through to his daughter. Yeah, she will see it. It's not as if she's not going to know about it. Yeah, so let's just leave her be. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is a ridiculous. But the footage itself is. Um, oh, I don't but know. Also- I, I think he absolutely nails him. And also, it's really well done. <laughs> like uh, what? It just the the production is great. Yeah, it's like there's a whole little subculture of like fan films though, where like biz- bizarrely yeah. high production values on like yeah. I think it's people people who live in LA and are like have friends who have access to sets and stuff, and they can kind of mm. nip in and get get things done. But no, it's pretty. I think it's fairly well done. Um, if they do ever make a Robin Williams biopic, I think maybe. I think it'd be great. Yeah, yeah, because 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 Robin Williams had like a certain face and certain expressions like like not you know very difficult to imitate and i think he really did really well what's mm. his name jamie costa jamie costa i i had not heard of him until this week but yeah there you go good nice i like it yeah good um uh, the only other thing I'd show you is the, 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 did you see the new trailer they put out last night for the new Batman movie, Robert Pattinson? No, I haven't. Do you want to, do you want to quickly check that out? Yeah, and definitely. Definitely. All right. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link just so we're watching the same video. Okay. There you go. Okay. So we're going to watch the new trailer, Batman trailer. Okay. Yes, please. Yeah. All right, you ready to press play? Definitely. All right, this is the the Batman. Three, two, one, go. So who do you think this is? Where? In well, the restaurant? In the diner, in the restaurant. Uh, the policeman? Nope. Oh, zooming in on a coffee cup. Oh, the Riddler. The Riddler. Interesting. So the Riddler is back. The last time we saw him was uh, in Tim Burton's one, no? No, it was Joel Schumacher with Jim Ah. Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. This looks like a very different take on the Riddler, though. Yeah, well, he's not dressed in green. It's not Jim Carrey. No, it's Paul Dano from Little Miss Sunshine, in fact. What? I, I haven't seen him you know, yet. The, the, no, you don't actually see him in this trailer, but it is... Um, Ooh. I'm sorry, Kravitz. Who's Catwoman? Catwoman. Ah. Colin Farrell, Penguin. Andy okay. Serkis is uh, Alfred. He seems a bit dark. Yeah. Darker than the Dark Knight. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Oh, he ain't got you. 
No. <laughs> He's got you. Oh, even the score is pretty, pretty dark as well. They're definitely going for for the grittiest, darkest Batman they can do. But why does Robert Pattinson have floppy hair? I don't know. Bruce Wayne can have floppy hair. I don't think Bruce Wayne has like a. Bruce set Wayne haircut. is a millionaire. It, I don't know. Like, come on, floppy. No, I, I'm going to go in with a with an open mind. I just didn't like the. Floppy I mean, if hair. that's the if that's the main thing you'd have a problem with, I think that you should definitely have an open mind. Yeah. No, I think it looks good. It looks very dark. Um, I didn't. I didn't think we could go darker. Like, the more Batman goes on, the darker it gets. <laughs> yeah, well, I think this is largely inspired by... Actually, I don't know what it's inspired by, but, like, Frank Miller's Year One is, like, definitely a, a look in the visuals, and that's a very, very dark Batman comic yeah. where Catwoman's a prostitute, I think, and stuff like this. Oh, wow. There's the danger that they go too dark. But, um... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've got an open mind. I was, I, I like Batman by himself, so I've got an open mind for it. Um... And the director, Matt Reeves, has made some excellent films in his, um, mm. in his time. Uh, yeah. Including some, some of the recent Planet of the Apes, uh, films and stuff like that. So, interesting. It's out next March. I'm sure we'll both watch it and get, get back to everyone on how it is. Definitely. So there we go. That's that's just sort of a little mini, uh, or probably not that mini anymore. But like, there's a there's a culture bucket sort of <laughs> yeah. interim episode for you. Some movie yeah. recommendations to maybe check out, and um, you know we're going to take a little break, but we'll come back bigger, better, stronger than ever mm. with some changes that hopefully will be good that people will like. And uh, do still send in your top culture from 2021 list because we're still going to be doing that episode. Um, Yes, Our favourite things from this year. So let us know about that. And um yeah, have a have a have a great sort of Yeah, have time. a great month. If you missed any yeah. episodes from us, listen to those and we'll uh, you know, we'll yeah. be on we'll just... uh, Instagram and Facebook, check stuff out. George's fantastic yep. reviews. And, Thanks. Uh, don't worry. You're... We're gonna be the same, just a little bit of a different format. Yes. So thanks, everyone. Love yeah, you very thank much. you for keeping up with us until now. And, uh, you know. Yeah. And go and, tell, go and tell your friends. Be like, oh, my favourite podcast is having a, a, a whole sort of change. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, you, you should listen to them. Yeah, they're, they're great. Because they're so good. They're so um, good. <laughs> and you should, go and, you should go and review them on, on, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. And that, they'd, they'd appreciate it if you did that. So... Tell your friends to do that and do yeah. it yourself. And, you know, um, they can catch up on all our episodes because we take a little break and, you know, they can have a listen to at least 10 episodes. If not more. If not more. Uh, just go back and listen to your favourites as well. Just listen to them again. Um, and, you know, sort of broadcast them over your, over sort of speakers in parks and things like that. <laughs> so... Um, We'll be back. We'll be back. It'll be good. Thank you so much. Love you very much. Thank you. Bye.